Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. So glad that you've joined us today. Pray that this Sunday morning sermon, that's what this time is, Sunday Morning Alive. Uh, This is an internet Sunday morning sermon, not a whole service for time's sake and space, but this is a Sunday morning sermon. And I pray that through the preaching and teaching of God's Word that you will be blessed today. Hallelujah. Informed by the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So let's go to church this morning. Hallelujah. And let's get down in the Word of God and let's get the Word of God down in our hearts today so that we can have courage and consolation in the face of so many fearful things. I've entitled uh, this, this preaching today, Why Fret? When God is laughing. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. What we're seeing today is no laughing matter. No, it isn't to us. And it certainly isn't in the, in the, in the kingdom of man. But I'm telling you in the kingdom of God, what the devil is doing today to raise himself up through people and through nations and come against our heavenly father and come against our sovereign and king Jesus Christ today and come against Christians uh, like uh, like we've not seen since the early days of the church but the bible does say there's nothing new under the sun and it's not unusual it's not unique uh, it is it is unique to the end times that it would get as bad as we're seeing it right now. But in the midst of all of this tumult, when we we have a tendency uh, to wring our hands when it looks like the enemy is making gains and inroads of Christian leaders that are falling one after another, almost like a domino effect of of Christian leadership falling, 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 falling. And they're falling for the same old tricks and the same strategies of the enemy that caused Christian leaders to fall down through the centuries. Dear friend of mine, it is time that we get a new perspective and we see victory today in spite of what seems to be (laughs) defeats everywhere that you look. I I don't want to be a victim today. I want to be a victor. How about you? Amen. I've come, I love that song. It was a theme, I believe, to a Bible study that they used this song for the theme song. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. He's never failed us yet. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, our God has never ever failed. He's never lost a battle, and he never will. Praise God. So if you will turn with me to Psalm 2, I want to make some statements as we study from Psalm 2 on the theme, Why Fret When God is laughing. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me make a statement to you today. God is on the throne. He, therefore, is in control. 3,000 years ago, he promised mankind that his son will triumph in history. He's currently working out that purpose, fulfilling that 
promise. In spite of all of the opposition of the enemy, the devil, and through, and the people through whom and by which the devil is working so fervently. You know, the Bible said during the tribulation, when it's all coming to a, a climax, uh, when God's will is, is, uh, allowing things to occur on the earth that will culminate in Jesus ruling and reigning forever. Amen. <laughs> Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, it says, for Satan hath come down to you, having great wrath, for he knows that he has but a short time. And we're beginning to see this movement, this, this, this sense of the devil pulling out all the stops and doing everything within his power and that that God allows him to do because he can't go beyond what God allows. God is on the throne. Therefore, he is in control. 3,000 years ago, when, when Psalm 2 was written some, uh, about that many years ago. Amen. God made promises. He established purposes for His Christ and our Savior. And God has the wisdom and power to orchestrate and subdue all the evil of man to the victory of Jesus. See, He's able to take everything, work it together for good and for his eternal purpose. That's why in the old covenant, Joseph said, (laughs) you meant it for evil to his brothers that sold him into slavery. But God meant it for good. See, God always wins this battle over the enemy and his purpose to hurt and to harm. He always wins, even if the circumstance looks like we're losing and it goes in reverse. If we will just wait upon the Lord, we will mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. And we need to understand in order to wait upon the Lord, to continue to trust in Him, look to Him, minister to Him, praise Him, honor Him. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to know, amen, that God is in control. We need to know that He is on His throne. Hallelujah. End-time events may be fearful in nature. The Bible said they would be perilous times. But believers... Christians can find peace and comfort in the blessed assurance of Psalm 2 that Satan will be ultimately defeated and Jesus will triumph as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The signs of the times tell us Jesus is, is it must be at the gates of heaven ready to return at any moment to take his church, his people, his bride out of this world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible tells us to lift our eyes, to, uh, amen, to, to look up when these things begin to come to pass, these negative end-time events when it looks like Satan is winning on every hand. I mean, read the if we read the statistics today of churches closing, pastors leaving the ministry, uh, Christians compromising, <laughs> Christian leaders falling. Oh, it's such a discouraging thing. But I want to tell you, why fret? 
we oh it hurts it tears my heart out when i see another one bite the dust when we see people who are preaching victory teaching victory that cannot walk in victory that the devil has deceived and they have given place to him we see whole denominations that are compromising today and yet we are called to keep our eyes on Jesus, not look to the right nor to the left, but to let our eyes look straight on before us. And and when we see these things, these negative events that mark the end times begin to come to pass, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Listen, rest in full assurance today, blessed assurance, that while evil men scheme and Satan plots, God sits on his throne in heaven and he laughs. So why fret when God is laughing? Don't give up on God and don't give up on yourself. I love that song called Mansion Builder from some time back. It said, why should I worry? Why should I fret? God is a mansion builder and he's not through with me yet. God is not through with America. God is not through working in the world. God is at work in the world, and God is at work in us. Hallelujah. I love the scripture in the new covenant. I pray you do too. It is God, the creator you see of heaven and earth and all that's in them. It is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So why should I worry? Amen. When I see my weaknesses and I understand that, that I'm subject to, to falling into fear if I don't keep my eyes on Jesus, if I don't keep my trust in God, there is danger. But I'm telling you, we're, God is, God is at work. Amen. God is at work. It is God that worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he that began a good work in you, dear Christian, and me, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He, there's a song out right now that said he will never stop working. God is, God is at work. God is on the move. It looks like the devil is the one that's got all the activity going and to d- distract us from the fact that, that we to raise our eyes, to lift up our heads, for our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. You see, God is on His throne. He's all-powerful. Therefore, He's in control, omnipotent. His will will be accomplished on earth just like it is in heaven. Men's schemes and Satan's plans will fail. So why fret when God is laughing? At the ignorance of man and and his uh, of his supreme authority, you see the world don't get it. This God they reject, this God they refuse to admit exists, this God who they would like to shape into their image instead of the image of of that that we know him to be, this God of goodness, this God of glory, this God of power. Listen. Psalm 2 gives us insight 
and understanding into the fact that all of these forces and armies arrayed against him and us will ultimately fail. God will prevail. Jesus will sit upon the throne (laughs) hallelujah with his heavenly father and according to the new covenant we will sit upon the throne with him we've been buried with him and we've been raised with him and we've been seated with him in heavenly realms that word seated with him means given joint seating amen he will reign and we will reign with him Praise the Lord. Listen to Psalm 2. And let's, we're not ignorant that God is in control. They are. The devil knows it, but he don't want us to know it. He knows he has but a short time. He knows who's in control. Make no mistake about it. There's not an unbelieving devil. The devil tried to get us to not believe. He's already got the world snowed and blinded. But there's not a devil in hell that doesn't know that Jesus is Lord and that God is in control. (laughs) Hallelujah. When Jesus came to the demoniac of the Gadarenes, uh, there was this, they, they recognized him and his authority immediately and said, we know who you are. We know who you are, Jesus. (laughs) Why comest thou to persecute us before our time? Leave us alone. We know there's a time when you're going to come set up your kingdom and rule and reign forever. Uh, But but why, why are you coming now to bother us? Leave us alone. They were already on the defensive and cowering before the authority of our great king and savior praise god dear friend of mine i want you to know that's why it says in the book of revelation when the devil takes control of of the antichrist and uses him like he's going to use him woe to the inhabitants of the earth for satan hath come down to you having great wrath he knows he has but a short time hallelujah thou believest there is one god the scripture said to us yes the devils believe and how do they react to that they tremble they tremble though they fight they know they cannot win the only thing they can do is hurt the object of god's love and that is mankind listen today and that's why god sent a savior to save us from ourself, from our sin, and from Satan, who wants us to go to hell, breaking the heart of God. Oh, how do you know that, Pastor? If he Listen, because it says in the Old Testament, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. I have no pleasure. You see, it gives God no pleasure. He has to judge sin and sinners, therefore. But He's made a way to escape that sure judgment to come. The enemy knows he has but a short time. He has already been conquered by Christ as far as having power over any child of God. The Bible said Jesus led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So in Acts 4.25, when, when, when there is a movement against that newborn church, that new, new 
Christianity coming forth. Already the devil is fighting and using people to fight and threatening to kill the disciples and apostles for preaching Christ. Acts 4.25 quotes Psalm 2. And that's why we're reading from Psalm 2. It gave them courage to stand up against all of the threatenings and looked like the overwhelming odds against them to not only establish the early church, but to send forth and, and, and make disciples in other nations. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's read what gave them courage in that day in Psalm 2, 1 through 3. Listen. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. The language of this verse is is uh it, it it's not as clear in the English translation the old English so let's let's put it in a practical paraphrase the psalmist is asking this and I, and let's relate it to our day lord why is it everywhere i look in the world the nations are in turmoil why are they always devising some vain thing to the glory of man things like the tower of babel the Roman Empire, the League of Nations, the United Nations. Why is it, Lord, that the presidents and prime ministers and kings of the earth are always conspiring against you and your anointed one, Jesus? Why is it that the world's political leaders are always saying, let us put aside the limitations of God's word and cast away his laws and do what we please? And you can see nothing has changed in 3,000 years. (laughs) As it was in the time of David, the nations of the world today are still in full revolt against the Lord. And so it is in Psalm 2. It's just as relevant as if it were written yesterday. The first comfort we get from Psalm 2 is this. The more clearly we see the sovereignty of God, the less fearful we are of the calamities of men. I want to say that again, the more clearly we see as Christians the sovereignty of God, the less fearful we are of the calamities of men. The fact that Satan rules as the prince of the earth does not mean that God lost control. Satan is not omnipotent. He has always operated within limits prescribed by God. I said it in a previous teaching uh, this week. Amen. The devil is a lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Absolutely. But God has him on a leash concerning his children, you and me today. The oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, begins by picturing Satan before the throne of God, asking permission to afflict Job. God gives him permission to touch everything but Job's life. He's on a short leash. God purposes, God wills, God permits, God allows, and God disallows. In effect, God is in control. So why should we fret when it looks like things are out of control when we know 
everything is in God's will and eternal purpose and a working according to His timing and His plan. Make no mistake about it, there's not a demon in hell that doubts that truth. And the devil doesn't doubt it. He knows there is a time and he knows the time is short and we need to know what he already knows and the world doesn't know. Comfort number two, God is not worried. In fact, He's laughing. Not because He doesn't care, but because He has the world events under control. Look at Psalm 2, 4 and 6. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. In other words, He's going to be laughing at their attempts and their ignorance that they really think that they can come against God and somehow uh, uh, supersede Him, somehow circumvent Him and do what they won't done. Then He shall speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. Yet, he says, in spite of all that man and all that the devil is doing, yet I've set my king, speaking of Christ, amen, upon my holy hill of Zion. God laughs at Satan and all the politicians in league with him and all of the militaries and armies and powers of money and wealth and fame in an attempt to thwart God's purpose in history. He laughs for three reasons. First, the passage said he scoffs at them. The Hebrew here means literally the Lord has them in derision. In short, this means that no matter what Satan does, God sees to it that it backfires in his face to the glory of Jesus. Psalm 76.10 says that even the wrath of man... (laughs) shall shall go to the praise of God. Even the wrath of man. See, he's able, because of his all-knowing, all-wise, and all-powerful person, he is able to subdue everything unto himself. And this is Satan's great frustration. He's got to be the most frustrated personality on planet Earth. All his schemes ultimately fail. All his plots sooner or later unravel. The cross is the classic example. Satan thought he had gained the greatest victory. Instead, it proved to be a cosmic defeat. God took history's most dastardly deed and event and converted it into something majestic through the power of the resurrection. Praise God. You know, the Bible said, if the princes of this world had known, talking about those powers and those principalities, if they had known, if they had known God's plan of salvation through allowing His Son to go to the cross and pay the sin debt so men and women could be delivered, set free, could be saved and forgiven. Amen. If the princes of this world had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Why wouldn't have they done it? Because they would have known this is the way God has designed. It looked like the worst possible defeat. And it turned in to the greatest victory over the enemy and the greatest triumph of Christ. And it is our victory today. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. The wording here is telling us about 
Comfort number three, Jesus is the reigning King of kings and Lord of lords in spite of all the forces that are arrayed against him from day one. The word in here is very interesting. It says in two six, Psalm 2 and verse 6, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. God speaks of a future event, the millennial reign of Jesus, as if it were an accomplished historical fact. Remember something about God's method of operation, dear friend. He calls the things as not as though they were, because if He's willed it, and He's purposed it, and He's promised it, He watches over His own Word to bring it to pass. And the devil, and all his minions, and man, and all of his his. his misguided thought that he somehow can circumvent supersede God and and have it his way God that's why God laughs at the ignorance of man he actually thinks fallen man blinded by the devil motivated by the forces of darkness and the rulers of darkness think they can conquer the king of glory and the king of light amen listen God speaks of future events of Bible prophecy so so completely as if it is done. In fact, that theologians have coined a word for it. They call it proleptic speech. Such speech is particularly a characteristic of God in Scripture. Amen. The reason is that God is not in time as we are. We are on a timeline. We have a past, a present, and a future. God is outside of time. <laughs> Amen. He has no beginning. He has no end. If He wills something, it's accomplished as far as He's concerned. Whether or not it has happened in history as we know it. But we know one thing. If He's willed it in heaven, and we pray according to His will, it's going to be done upon the earth just like He's willed it in heaven. Take, for example, the crucifixion of Jesus. We think of it as happening 2,000 years ago on the outskirts of Jerusalem in time. And it did as we perceive time. And it happened when the fullness of time had come. Amen. When God was ready for it to happen in our time. But when did the crucifixion take place as God sees time? The Bible says in Revelation 13 and verse 8, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. It hadn't taken place in time, but the eternal, mighty, sovereign God of glory willed it. And purposed it. Jesus wasn't an afterthought after the fall of man. No, this plan was set in place because God knew that if man falls, if man fails, there would need to be a safety net to catch him and still give him an opportunity to be reclaimed, redeemed, reconciled, and saved. Hallelujah. Listen to how God operates in this. In Romans four seventeen. God to Abraham, as it is written, I've made thee, I have made thee, a father of many nations, before whom he believed even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. 
Hallelujah. And in Joshua 6, 1 and 2, God said to Joshua, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, listen to calling it not as though it were, because as far as God is concerned, it is. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto you thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Be comforted today. What God has willed, what God has purposed, hallelujah, God is going to bring to pass. And all the forces of the enemy, all the powers of hell are not going to be able to stop him. Praise God. Let's look at the fourth comfort out of this psalm. And it, it is this, that Jesus is appointed to rule and reign, and nothing and no one is going to stop him from coming, and his kingdom from coming, and his throne, amen, to be set up forever and ever and ever. Look at this next next verses. He makes a glorious proclamation about the future and which he confirms his father's intention to establish him as king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 7 said, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said unto me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, surely I will give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and shall shatter them like earthenware. Psalm 2, 7 through 9. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Hallelujah. Jesus begins his proclamation by repeating the Father's promise to him that he will one day rule from Mount Zion over all the ends of the earth. It is a promise that undoubtedly dates back to the foundation of the world itself. Why do you giggle sometimes, Pastor? You're supposed to be so serious. I'm dead serious. Amen. About the fact that my God is in control. Amen. The devil will not win this battle. If, if Listen, if we don't give place to him, he has absolutely no authority. He can't override my king. He can't override my master. Praise God. And I say this because the Bible tells us that Jesus was foreknown as the Savior who would shed his blood, amen, before the foundation of the world. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You see the difference in God operating outside of time and then manifesting His promises and His person He promised in our time. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in 
him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God is working outside of time. He calls the things not as though they were. And when we read a scripture of a promise revealing a purpose of God, we need to understand that we can stand on that promise because God is not slack concerning His promises. Glory to God. Amen. Let's look at another comfort here before we close. We're running over. It's worth it. It's worth it. We need the comfort and the counsel from the Word of God. They read from this psalm. They took courage from this psalm when the early church came under all the persecution and threats that it did. If you are saved today, you do not have to fear the judgment to come. If you are saved today, you do not have to fear the judgment to come. Psalm 2, 7 through 12. I will declare the decree that the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, I'll give thee the heathen for an inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way. When His wrath is kindled, but but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Praise God. Friend of mine, have you put your trust in Him today? Kiss the Son. God is saying, you you don't have to be judged. You can receive my Son as your Sovereign. You can receive my Son as your Savior. You can receive Jesus Christ today. But if you do not receive Him as your Savior, you will certainly face Him as your Judge. For God has appointed Him. That's why it said in the book of Revelation, Amen, that that all the kings and the captains, the rich, the poor, and all the in-between, the people with power, without power, all of them called on the rocks and the mountains to hide them from the face of Him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's amazing. What a, what a, what a paradox here that they were afraid of the justifiable anger of the lamb, the lamb that was slain on the cross so they could be forgiven. But they rejected this offer of salvation. And the Bible said, how shall we escape? How could we, what? Escape what? What? The judgment to come. You see, that's a message that's not being preached, but the judgment to come is coming. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. And there's no escape in it by denying it. There's no escape in it. And it should be preached. It should be taught. Why? We're afraid of the label fire and brimstone preachers. Listen, preachers didn't coin that phrase. It was Christ who described the horrors of hell with fire and brimstone and the sounds of hell weeping and the gnashing of teeth. 
Dear friend of mine today, this is a serious thing. The reason I chuckle is because my salvation is secured in Jesus Christ. If I keep my trust in Him, the devil will not prevail. And what I'm seeing today, it looks like the church is being perverted and polluted and compromised on every hand in many circles. Not everyone, thank God. There's a righteous remnant here. But I know that this is a sign that Jesus is coming very, very soon. Hallelujah. And I want to be encouraged by this psalm that my God is in control. Praise God. And the devil will never, ever, ever prevail. If we don't give place to him, he has no authority to defeat you or me. No authority to deceive us if we keep keeping the word of God in our hearts and in our mouths and in our minds and we give heed to it by endeavoring to obey it as it is written and believe it as it is written today. Praise God. Listen, they went back to this psalm of David when the persecution came to the early church when they threatened to kill them and said, don't preach or teach any more in this name. And they said, behold, their threatenings. And they begin to quote the principles of this psalm. They took courage. And the Bible said that the, when they had prayed, inspired by Psalm 2, the place they were in was shaken. Hallelujah. Amen. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. After they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, He rose up within them and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They said, God, you're in control. No matter what they threatened to do and seemed to have the power to do, yet you are God Almighty. And you are in control and Jesus Christ is Lord. There was a shaking in that place and a shaking in them. And they went on to shake that generation. And and the reverberations of that shaking is still shaking and shaping our world today. All the good is still coming from God. Hallelujah. And the devil will never prevail. Don't let him prevail and have you fretting. When he's saying, ha ha, you will never defeat me. Let my people get this. Let my people understand this. We shouldn't be like others who have no hope today. In fact, the Bible says the God of hope fill you with hope in believing. Christian, take courage today. God is on the throne and God is not through with you and me. And God is not done with America. And God is not through working in the world. In fact, I believe He's doing a quick work right now to bring in the last of the harvest. The last of the harvest. Raise your eyes. Don't be, don't be misdirected by all that is happening in this perilous time. The harvest is great. The labors are few. 
prayed the Lord of the harvest he would send laborers into the field and volunteer. Today, if you don't know Jesus, you're out of control. You're following the rip current of the world that is pulling further and further away from God. But God is calling you. God is speaking to your heart. You don't have to go with the flow. You don't have to be lost with them. Because you can come to Him. You can come to His Savior that He sent, Jesus Christ. So don't run from Him, dear friend. In the name of Jesus, you won't have to call on the rocks to fall on you during the tribulation and hide you from the wrath. You won't have to face that great white throne judgment and hear every sin you've ever committed and know there is no covering and no canceling out that sin. But you can come and be covered by the blood of Jesus. Your sin can be remitted and you cannot fear the judgment to come. Why? Because God has not appointed you then to wrath but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. In Jesus' name.